time again for another episode of scaring and sharing yes it's the podcast where you get some spooky news and some frightful views because we talk about them with each other and you about all things horror i'm having a serious sense of deja vu <laughs> i know it's not even been 12 hours you know it's been a little over but i just saw just, you jeremy i know it's been just over 12 hours since we last <laughs> recorded so a little bit of a marathon session going on I know, but I also feel like there's not as much to share because I shared it all yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But Jeremy, how the heck are you? Not too bad, uh, BJP. How oh, are yeah. you? <laughs> I'm good. So I'm sitting here today with my fellow scare boy, Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim, Rusk. And you are Brandy Joe, the Flaming Scream Queen, Planbeck. Yes, yes, yes. And this is a podcast where the first half we talk about things we've watched and horror news and whatever the fuck. And then if you want to just skip ahead to our movie reviews, you can do that in the second half. The In the, the podcast notes, you can see where to jump to. Um, but typically, we share a movie with the other person. That's what this episode is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the other person's not seen. And then we come back and we talk about them and say what, what we thought, you know? Yeah. Back to our normal format. Yeah. So, Jeremy, have you ever read House of Leaves? No, but I've heard of it. Joe had it, has it. I, I think it's still in our bookshelves since we moved a couple years ago. But I know, like, from what I know of it, it's like a really unique book. Like, mm-hmm. not the sort of book you can do an audio book on. Like, because mm-hmm. it's like there's a physical physicality to it. Like yeah, you have to it, turn it upside down, and there's like various mediums in it, not like yeah. video and stuff, but yeah. If it's the book I'm thinking of, that's the one where it switches formats, right? Where like sometimes it is a narrative novel, but there's chapters that are written in screenplay format, and others that all are like sorts of stuff in like prose poetry and handwriting, like all, all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, and I've I, tried before, and I don't know why it make because it. I think it is a, like a little bit of a challenge, and I'm up to that. But mm-hmm. um, I was reading something about it today, and I think that the guy who wrote it, I think his sister is Poe. Do you remember Poe, the singer? Yeah, vaguely. It reminds me of, like, I think, like, the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm pretty sure that there's some hit out there that I, like, vaguely can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Poe. It reminds me of my college roommate, Jenny. But I think something happened, like, with someone in their family, I think, had cancer or something, and this book sort of came about through, like, that struggle of going through that. And I know that there's an aspect of it that I was reading about where, like, they find out that the house that they're living in is not just the house they thought it was. Like, there's, like, weird secret passages and, like, Mm -hmm. extra parts of it that they didn't know existed. And it just reminded me, that's, like, a recurring dream I've had since we moved into our new house. Mm-hmm. I consistently, I don't know if I've talked about it before or not, but I consistently have had, not consistently, but more so than any other dream, I have dreams that like there's a diner that I find like by going through the basement or that I'm living in something where all of a sudden I go downstairs and there's like an entire shop and in the back of the shop there's whatever, a restaurant, like there's all these like weird, I live somewhere, not necessarily my house, but I think it's one thing and then like I go through the closet and it opens up into all this other stuff I didn't know existed. 
Mm-hmm. I've had a similar dream where you find like a secret door and you're like, what? There's like a, I remember what I had was, uh, I was living in a house. It wasn't necessarily my house though. Cause sometimes it's like a, you know, unfamiliar house, but I live there. Um, but I had one where it's like, uh, I found this door into the attic, but it opened up to this like rooftop bar <laughs> that was suddenly on like another, you know, like building. Uh, it was really bizarre. Yeah. But I know, I know that dream. And what other, have you had any other recurring dreams? Um, One of my most, oh, okay. I have two. I have two really common, like recurring. It's not exactly the same dream, but it's like a recurring motif, I suppose. Uh, dream where one it's uh, I'm in like a zombie apocalypse and I have to fight off zombies. Um, I've had that one a lot of times. And uh, another one is where I suddenly discover that I can fly. Uh, and then uh, I, I like <laughs> I get ready to hold like a press conference to be like, everyone in the world has to see this. It's the most amazing thing ever. Uh, and then when the time comes, I can't do it. So tell me more. How do you fly in the dream? Like, what I is just, the method of which you fly? I just like think about it and then I can levitate and just okay. and go like Superman, just go so flying around. It's probably a thing lots of people have because I have a dream I can fly too. But mm-hmm. my flying is like doing breaststroke in the air. So like I can feel it it's kind of like when you're swimming in the water, like I can like that's how I like move through the air. It's like I can do it with like my hands and my legs. And it's interesting because ever I have like, I tore my meniscus in my knee and Mm -hmm. I had to get surgery on it and that was supposed to fix it, but I still can't like sit cross-legged because it will like, I I don't know how else to describe it. It like feels like it like pops out of socket and then like I can't fully straighten my leg without it hurting and Uh it takes like a week to get back to like normal, Mm -hmm. like where I can put full pressure on it, which I thought the surgery was supposed to heal, but it didn't. Okay. Um, So, but when I've gotten back into swimming, which I'm now more of like a workout boy, not a swim boy. But they're mm-hmm. in the same place. So hopefully I'm hoping one day I'll get back to the water. But when I got back to swimming after all this knee stuff, I couldn't do breaststroke because mm. of the way you kick your legs. Uh-huh. It like feels like I'm gonna fuck up my knee again. Like I'm mm-hmm. gonna like do something that will cause it pain. And and so I really just do like mostly just freestyle. Mm-hmm. Um but I've had that dream since then and I wonder but I had it before as well. But it's mm-hmm. like I can fly. I've had that so many times, and I always love it, like the freedom it feels like. But sometimes I'm chasing after something or like trying to get to somewhere quickly. Like, and sometimes it is just peaceful. But I just mm-hmm. sort of like breaststroke through the sky. <laughs> yeah, mine's though. Yeah, because I can I can remember one specifically where it was like I can fly. Cool, I got to tell everyone. And then like all these people gather to watch it. And then I just kind of like levitated off the ground like a couple inches and everyone's like, that's levitating. That's not flying. That's not interesting at all. And that's like where the dream ended as if that wasn't amazing by itself. But everyone's like, that's not flying. Oh my God, that's amazing. I also have, um, since I got sober, I've definitely have reoccurring uh, like using dreams. And they're mm. usually dreams where I use in the dream and I like, like I'm sober and then I, it's usually drinking, which is weird because like I did give up alcohol as well, but like substance abuse was like my larger problem, not alcohol, like drugs. And so it's interesting that typically in my dreams, it's, I, I drink something and sometimes it's like on accident, like 
it's I'm somewhere and someone's spraying liquid and it gets in my mouth and it's booze or I pick up a drink thinking it's Sprite and it's vodka and soda or whatever. Like it's not typically like on purpose, but it's like, oh, my God. And um, of course, like going into recovery groups, lots of people talk about about using dreams. Mm-hmm. And one of the people in the group said that she she felt that using dreams often happen when you're going through some sort of change. Like that's like a sign of it. Which of course every person's different, but but I could see that. Could yeah, see I have that. I have those too. Uh, with of Do course you? having like no longer uh, uh, drinking booze, uh, but that's another recurring one I'll have where uh, I will be in the dream going somewhere to get drunk like i used to do at the bar and then i wake up and well usually in the dream too i realize what i've done and it usually ends with like why did i do that like i I got really drunk and do something stupid in the dream and you're like man i just threw away all these years of uh sobriety uh and then i wake up and realize oh my god but they're almost those ones are always very intensely real okay where when i wake up i feel Mm -hmm. like it takes me a minute to realize it didn't actually happen the dream um, hangover. Yeah. And I think those, I think for me, those are stress dreams. Usually those come mm. up when I'm very stressed out. And I think it's the, you know, the underlying subconscious, like that's how I used to cope with stress was getting, you know, wasted. So I think that's uh, perhaps where that comes from. So let me ask you a personal question and you can tell me, you know what, I'll answer, but you have to delete this mm-hmm. on the podcast. But like, I'm very much like vocal in my sobriety and say like, this is my clean time and all of that. Mm-hmm. I know you don't drink, but you're, that's not the type of sober you are. Mm-hmm. And I just, based on that, I wonder like, are you like someday if you're like, yeah, I want a beer today, you're going to, you can have a beer and you're not going to feel like I messed up years of sobriety because you're not like in meetings and things like that. You just are yeah. sober yeah, out of choice. I- I, I don't know. Okay. Um, honestly, I have debated that. Like, I'm wondering if there is there a time period where I'll feel comfortable? Because uh, I do honestly take, you know, stock of that. Um, uh, like, can I have real booze again? And I, I, I haven't felt like I can do that. Okay. Like, you know, like I can I can do like uh, Heineken Zero or whatever. And that's like gives me my taste of beer uh where i'm like yeah i do like the taste of this but i'm you know i'm not going to uh go out and you know get a jack daniel bottle of jack daniels or whatever i feel like that's still too uh i don't know i have no intention of doing it like picking mm-hmm. it up again but i do wonder if there will be a point where i will many many years from now because i've known people many people over the years that have like gone dry for a long time and have been able to like responsibly uh what do they call that um i guess responsibly but you know have a relationship with alcohol again later that is not mm-hmm. reckless and destructive but you never know <laughs> so yeah and i mean and truly and like the programs I'm involved in, they tell you not to like think about it like I'm not going to drink for the rest of my life. They just sort of say, wake up and say, hey, I'm not going to drink today. That's much more manageable. Yeah. And does not stress you out as opposed to thinking about the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's how I got to where I was at using that exact thinking to where I was just like, and now it's like my life is so rewired and different from how it was before. I don't even feel like, you know, I don't really feel that pull anymore necessarily where I'm like, what I want to, uh, uh, do that again. Um, I'm not sure I would. I've thought about that where I'm like, say the world was ending or something like that. Would I want to go get drunk? Uh, I'm not sure that I would. So, and I, I mean, I know I've talked about before. I love horror that is based in or deals with or is melded around like 
addiction and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel something like brewing inside of me. I just don't know what it is. Like, I want to create something myself. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, like, of course, yeah. I go to the idea of theater because that's the sort of thing. Like, we have a space. I, if I want to write something and produce it 100%, like, I can do it. Some people, it's not that easy. So it's like, what the fuck am I doing not using, like, the resources that I have and are around me? But And maybe it's a matter of working with people, you know, in my recovery to, like, form what those ideas are, that sort of collaboration. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's so much to it. Like, I sometimes think about the notion of, like, finding that there's some sort of way, like VR, like some sort of virtual reality thing where you will get that sensation and those feelings of being fucked up and it gives you that same excitement that you had when you were using but Mm -hmm. it's all fake it isn't real and Mm -hmm. therefore you're still sober because you didn't put anything in your body you had no mind-altering substances because if you're watching something that isn't going in it is going in your body but it's a different way and i just i feel like the way life is going that that's gonna happen someday oh surely it will (laughs) i also think about like a scenario like i had this like idea in this story in my head of like like sort of like in my mind you don't know it's this until the end but like Mm -hmm. being able to meet myself in like an alternate dimension of like the person who never took a drink never took their first adderall never smoked crystal meth like Uh that version of me that did things differently that i like i didn't have surgery on my jaw as like a kid because my jaw is like out of line and i recently just like found this out like my teeth are kind of messed up and i went and i was like i'm scared of the dentist of course because of the movie the dentist no i'm just kidding um (laughs) but like i went to the dentist i'm like hey i want like my teeth straightened and it's like oh well your teeth are the way they are because your jaw is out of line And, and like i had that option as a kid and my orthodontist was like it's all um cosmetic like do it if you want but like you know don't think you need to like change for everyone else it was gonna be a big deal i was gonna have to have my mouth wired shut for a while yeah i just chose not to do it but i've always wondered you know i or i blamed like my teeth the way they are on the fact that like i lost my retainer as a kid and never went back and got a new one or like as a teenager Mm -hmm. but like i've come to discover it's because my teeth are out of line and the way my teeth line with my jaw they've moved them out of place so Mm -hmm. it's not as easy as just getting braces i now have to get jaw surgery (laughs) surgery to correct it yeah and that would be Um, a big deal but i'm like if i would have gotten that surgery if i never would have done drugs granted i don't live in regret but i just like have that idea of what if i met that person that version of myself who did everything differently and could Mm -hmm. sit down and have a conversation with them would they be happier or am i happier having gone through the things i've gone through to get me where i am today yeah <laughs> the alternate think, universe sort of weird i think about it all the time as a science fiction nerd and just somebody into this weird stuff yeah often i'm like who is that other person that made this life choice i think about him too with big like turning points where like oh i could have gone to california uh at this time and just you know given it a shot or something like that and i'd like i want to know i want to see the alternate version of like how did that turn out the parallel universe jeremy that did make that choice like where is where is he at now and it sort of makes me also think about like past lives Mm -hmm. like am i this because of a past life which i don't believe in as much but the notion of it is still fascinating to me and i can i can entertain the idea speaking of recurring dreams uh and getting into past life stuff uh if you believe in those sorts of things uh i have had some of those where i think it's possible it's from a past life um and specifically 
It's totally weird and who knows, but in the dream, like there's one where I am like in Japan a long time ago. Uh, and, you know, my brain is telling me that, you know, I'm speaking Japanese uh, and living in this like Japanese uh, village or town somewhere. Uh, and that is a recurring dream I've had where they interest multiple times. So I'm like, is that a past life of mine? Do you know the song Galileo by the Indigo Girls? Uh, I think so. Sounds oh, familiar. one of my all-time favorite songs. It's one of the best songs. It is so well-written, but it sort of deals with, like, how many lives do I have to go through before I get it right? It's, in my mind, I haven't listened to it in a while, but sort of the notion yeah. of it. Yeah. Like, how many times do I have to go through this before I can fucking just get it right, you know? And I have to say, based on everything I've said, I'm extremely happy with where I am in my life. The, mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of that has come through sobriety. And I, you know, I, I know I'm the way I am because of the things I've gone through. But I just still can't help but think about, you know, those times when you're like, but, oh, man, I wish I had the perfect smile. I wish I didn't have to, like, not, like, think about not showing my teeth when I smile in a picture. Like, things like that, you know, or just, like, mm -hmm. be self-conscious about something like that. And think about someone with a perfect smile and how they don't have to deal with that sort of idea. But they probably deal with something else, you know? Mm -hmm. Just like uh, on Talk Scary to Me with Danielle Harris and Scout Taylor Compton, they recently were talking about going to these cons and how exhausting it can be and sort of giving advice to their fans or like saying like, hey, you guys, when you do this, it's creepy. Like, you don't know how, like, yes. And sometimes when they talk about it, I like roll my eyes like, okay, it's so hard to be famous. But sometimes <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's gotta be difficult. Like people think they know you and they really don't, especially when you have a podcast. Like, I mean, listening uh -huh. to this, people are to be like, oh, we're getting inside of your brains, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> we're getting to know you especially guys. today. Yep. <laughs> More than I know, ever. Right? More than ever. But it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting di uh what do you call that? It's a um ah it's a disparity. 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 Ooh, disparity I like disparity in the, you know, how well like people will feel like they know us. We don't know them at all, but they might yes. feel like they know us better, for yeah. example, with the podcast. So yeah, I can see how that magnify that by, you know, hundreds of times when you're a celebrity that's everywhere in the world. So everyone feels like they have, you know, a peek into your life and know who you yeah. are, but they may, they don't really, you don't really know the real inner workings or who that person is day to totally. day. So no matter yeah. what. And it's interesting because they do talk about, you know, fans who just like, like if there's no line, they'll come up and they'll just talk to them and talk to them and talk to them. And they're like, Hey, you know, this is exhausting to do this for five hours. Like, let me have a break. Like, I know you're the only person here. And how everyone just says, like, what's it like to work with Raw Zombie? What did you like? They're like, ask us something different. Like, ask yeah. us, talk to us about things that not everyone talks about. But then again, I'm like, you're at a horror convention. Like, you sh like, that should be the easiest thing for you to autopilot talking about what you think of Rob Zombie or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you probably said it a million times. So it should be easy to just, you know, bust out. But quick people story. don't have like this. I feel I'm pretty good about um, uh, being self aware. I'm pretty sure, like, probably to a fault, but, like, I, because I, I don't like to overstay my welcome. So, like, I know mm -hmm. if there's a situation where I'm, like, I may have been here a little too long or I don't want to be here too long. So, I'm going to go now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave this conversation now because I don't want to overstay my welcome because that drives me crazy. People yes. who aren't, don't realize, like, hey, buddy, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this person's got a life to live. Uh, so, you know, figured it. <laughs> ask what you got to ask, get moving. So, yeah. 
But it's it's fascinating thinking about because there are times when I'm like, like, for instance, this podcast, right? We've talked about before. We have great listeners. We have some followers. We love that. We've made new friends. And that is so exciting. And there are times when I'm like, I wish it was huge. I wish, you know, we had mm -hmm. millions of followers, downloads, et cetera, even thousands. Uh, but like what comes with that can maybe not be what you truly want. And you don't know until it's there and you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think we're at a good place right now with our show because we so, yeah. we get, actually do have the ability to get to know y'all that write in. Yeah, and that uh, is regularly so and start to develop that. a more direct relationship instead of just being one of a million you know, people writing in or whatever that we just like, okay, on to the next question. We can actually dialogue with some of y'all. So I love that. And with that, this concludes the deepest, scary <laughs> deepest dive we've ever done. You did give me some jumping off points, though, yeah, tell uh, me. of some things I've wanted to talk about that are a little less serious. Number one, talking about creating stuff um, mm -hmm. uh, and having like an idea. Uh, I have been meaning to bring it up. And uh, my Spotify just played the song that inspired me uh, this idea to me the other day where I'm like, oh, yeah, I keep forgetting to tell brandy joe this idea um which is okay it's kind of a roundabout thing but here we go so there is a hammer uh one of the hammer dracula films with christopher lee is titled dracula has risen from the grave okay. uh which is an amazing horror movie title uh by the way uh there is a song by blue oyster cult uh that is called joan crawford Okay, uh, and in that song, there is a, a refrain that goes, Joan Crawford has risen from the grave, uh, <laughs> inspired by that movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, I really want to write a parody of those gothic hammer Dracula movies, but about Joan Crawford in the yes. role of the Dracula, like coming back and drinking people's blood or something like that. So it could be like a mix of whatever happened to baby Jane with like oh my a, God. a hammer Dracula movie. And I think that yes. would be an amazing devised piece, but I don't know where I'm going to go with it. But well, I don't know if you know this or not, because you're not a flaming homosexual. Um, but there is like this sort of, um, I don't know if it's like a meme craze or how you would describe it, but on social media, there'll be things with Joan Crawford and it will say like, you know, um, happy birthday to ever, you know, happy Easter to everyone except Christina because of, do you know the relationship with her and Christina Crawford, her daughter? Oh, yes. Like yes, the basis yes. of Mommy Dearest. Yes. So there's this whole except, like, dot, 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 except Christina. Like, so people will say various things. So we wrote a show four years ago or so called Merry Christmas to Everyone Except Christina. And we uh -huh. only ran it a weekend and it sold the fuck out because people love Joan Crawford. We also did yes. Mommy Queerist, which was like yep. huge. And so, yeah, I think people are all for it. And my husband plays a great Joan Crawford. So let's write it. <laughs> let's write it. Let's write Joan Crawford has risen from the grave. And it'll yes. be our vampire Joan Crawford play. Oh my God, I love it. Chris, Christina could be the Van Helsing role. <laughs> like coming, coming to kill the vampire. It'd be oh amazing. Oh my God, I love it. That's so great. there you go. And speaking of where we're going with, you know, you were talking about VR yeah. uh, and just, you know, this whole AI conversation. This morning I read an article, I think Dread Central uh, was running it where there's apparently a documentary. It's the first AI generated documentary. Oh, that's coming out. Yeah. It's called UFO Chronicles and it's got some subtitle, but it's about the battle of LA, uh, which is a famous, um, 
weird moment, unexplained moment in uh, during World War II. Uh, people in Los Angeles thought they were under attack. I think they believed it was Japanese uh, aircraft over the city uh, and everybody scrambled, you know, in the Air Force, the Army, everybody was ready to go because they thought, you know, Japan was attacking uh, California due to some sightings of unexplained aircraft which then okay. turned out to be nothing. Nobody could find them. They seemed to disappear, you know, from radar and all that. Um, so it's become a famous, you know, unidentified flying object uh, case uh, mixed with, you know, wartime hysteria, um, just everyone being on edge. But uh, yeah, they've apparently made a documentary <laughs> that uses all AI generated artwork and footage. And they're saying the script as well. And it's a little documentary about this UFO, uh, uh, famous UFO case crazy yeah so i'm like i I, i'm highly interested to watch this thing see what this is so if you have a set of vr are they called goggles glasses Mm -hmm. goggles riser i don't know riser visor visor (laughs) like a whatever they are vr viewers viewers sure are there just like can you tap into a bunch of resources to watch various things I don't understand how that works. I don't either. Okay. I, we're we're old people. We don't understand how this works. <laughs> I don't know that the kids understand. They might though. I don't know. Games yeah. And stuff. yeah. I'm not sure how uh how big a technology if it's gonna continue to take off. Cause I, I just had this conversation at work with a coworker where we were like, remember 3D TV, how that was gonna be the next big thing, and it just kind of died really fast. Mm-hmm. So you never know which new technology is going to be the one that sticks around and hits. But this AI-generated yeah. stuff seems like it's going to be around for a minute. And it brings all kinds of conversations up about art. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my friend Phoenix recently hit me up because he really loved, and I can never, ever remember the name of it, The that horror video game with Hayden Panettiere. It's like Dead of Winter or something like that. It's called something like that after mm-hmm. midnight. I don't know. It's something along those lines. I, none of those are the right title. Uh-huh. But we've talked about The Quarry, which is that sort of newer one with like David Arquette. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. he got it for Christmas or something. Someone gave it to him, gifted it to him, and he played it. And he was furious about how bad it was. He said Whoa. it was so horrible. He said the acting was like the, the script was horrible. The story really frustrated. It seemed like he couldn't play it. Like it played him. Like, oh. it, no matter what he did, it like, like if it didn't seem to matter. Huh. Do you know I, what video the Hayden Panettiere one is? I'm trying to find it, but oh, okay. I was going to say with the quarry, uh, I know my brother played it. He really liked it and he lent me a copy. So I haven't done it yet, okay. but I was going to try, try it out. So I'm wondering. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to find the, it was because I know the, the other big one is Until Dawn. That I think that that's it. Is she in that though? I can't even remember the cast other than uh, Rami Malek was in it. Yep, Until Dawn. Yep, at yep. her and Rami. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was. I haven't played it in a long time. I loved Until Dawn. <sighs> it's the one I want to play so bad, but I don't think I can do it. I'm like, I just, I feel like being a video game, not a nerd, but getting, I like, I don't like RPG, but mm-hmm. I feel like some of those games, the horror ones in particular, where you're like living in a horror movie, yes. seems like so exciting to me, but I'm like, do I want to get a PlayStation or whatever to get those games just to find out I don't like them? <laughs> just to find out, yeah, you don't like them. Yeah, I mean, they are deeply satisfying and I, I am drawn to those because I like, you know, I love the Resident Evil video games because it's like being in a zombie movie and Until Dawn is great. And uh, 
I don't know. I feel like there's some more out there. There was a Ghostbusters game that was really awesome because it's like you're a Ghostbuster. So that was amazing to play. So yeah, there's some there's some cool ones out there. Okay. Well, one of these days. One of these Plus, days. Plus, I'm also maybe. also like I'm very busy. Like, do I have the time to like get like addicted to a video game? Do I have the time sure. for that addiction, which is healthier than you know crystal meth? But yep. do I want that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some. Maybe we do like a Twitch stream or something someday for the show, and oh, we can play. Until, and we can try it out. Yeah, we can try it out. We can play until dawn together. One of these games and see how it goes. Yeah, let's play together. That'd be cool. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun. This was, I was like, I have nothing to talk about. And then we had some good conversations. We just filled half an hour right now. Maybe people are bored out of their mind. They're like, I already clicked ahead to whatever movies you're about to sign to each other. Maybe they did, but who cares? This is our show. We do what we want. That's right. Whatever, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I go to, I don't go to school and I kill people. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever she says. I love it. Um, Well, shall we get to our shares, Jeremy? Let's do it. All right, so it is my turn to share first, and I'm going to give you one that I've wanted to give you for a while, and since it's been so cold, it feels very appropriate. Cool. And I cannot believe you have not seen it. Oh, God. And I cannot wait to watch it again, and I really hope I can convince my husband to watch it tonight. And that is I Saw the Devil. (gasps) Cool. Yeah, Yeah. no, I know a little bit about it. I know this is a... uh, um asian movie I, I know that's super broad i hate to just throw that out there i think south korean but i uh might be wrong i can't remember um but yeah i know it's like a crime serial killer slasher movie like epic like i know it's not a short movie and i know it's got this long uh but really developed story that plays out for you. But I know it has to do with a serial killer uh, and like uh, some guy seeking revenge, I believe on this. I've seen like chunks of it in other things, sort Mm -hmm. you know, in like compilations and documentaries talking about modern horror. So I know uh, I have images of uh, moments from the movie, but I'm very excited to watch the whole thing. So yeah, I'm so excited. I've only seen it once, so I'm pumped to watch it again. Uh, and I guess my turn and I just, I, it's been so long since it feels like it's been so long since we've had to pick, I've got no idea what I'm going to do. Um, but I am going to go with, oh God, you know, you said the cold, uh, and this sounds like, uh, uh, it's making me think about there. There was this movie. I watched it. I think it might still be on Shutter. I'm not sure, um, but it's a bizarre little flick called Winter Beast. Oh, okay. Uh, and it is. I I watched it once before last year. I think at some point, and it's. I need other people to see this, so I'm giving it. Sign <laughs> okay. up to you. Winter Beast. So in my head, I imagine I immediately think of the Abominable Snowman. Which is there like a popular? There's not like an MGM Abominable. Why am I? Is that am I saying that right? Abominable. The Abominable Snowman. That's yeah. such a weird word. It means like uh, the horrible. indestructible. Oh, the horrible. Okay. Yeah, it means something horrible, something terrible. So in my mind, that's like what I go to. Um, something like a. Um, like a Bigfoot in like the extreme winter. 
So I'm going to go with like a, a Bigfoot type cryptid, right? Bigfoot's cryptid. Mm-hmm. Uh, some sort of cryptid in like a blizzard sort of scenario. People in a cabin, stuck, no phones. I imagine it's an <laughs> 80s movie. That's what I'm going to go with. And um, I think there's going to be a male like protagonist, not a, a woman. I, there's going to be, might be women in it. But I'm going to say that it's a male protagonist. That's what I'm going to go with. And not the best kills because I don't know of it. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the kills aren't great. I was kind of inspired. I just watched the chunk of, just to give you a little maybe peek behind the curtain with this thing. I just watched the chunk of um, In Search of Darkness 3 earlier that was talking about uh, shot on video made, you know, directly for the video market movies. Uh, And so I was like, this looks so bad. I was like, Winter Beast. Uh, So it is going to be something else. Okay. For right. you. So it's, 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 I don't even know, but I need somebody else to have seen this, this uh, thing. So might as well be me, right? Yeah. Might as well be you. So. Me, you together. Uh-huh. Isn't <laughs> that kidding. what they said last night in the movie? Yeah. Wasn't that it? Me, always, together. Always together. Always together. Always together. It reminded me of signs. Swing away or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But it didn't come back quite as hard, hard nope. as that one did. No, nope. that one was a little bit weird. <laughs> Signs, a little too much. But. A little much. All right, cool. Well, let's go watch these chili flicks and come back. Ooh, chili. That sounds good. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> This guy's gals, non-binary pals. This is the second half. This is where yeah. we talk about movies normally. And this is a normal episode because yeah. sometimes we just do one movie and sometimes it's all the who knows. But but this week gets back to our traditional format. Thank you. That's the word. I don't like normal. I like traditional. That's a better <laughs> description. This is our traditional format. That's right. And if you don't want to hear about I Saw the Devil, you can look in the podcast notes and skip ahead to Winter Beast. Winter Beast. (laughs) But let's start with I Saw the Devil from 2010, directed by Kim Ji-Woon. And the letterbox tagline is Abandon All Compassion. And the description is very long, so I'm going to see if I can find a... Which is very appropriate for the movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being as long as it is. So here is a nice, tight, concise description from IMDb. A tight. secret. It's very tight. A secret agent exacts revenge on a serial killer through a series of captures and releases. <laughs> I like yep. that. That's, I mean, that, that's, that, that is it. That does the best justice. It does. So, Jeremy. Yeah. Again, I could not believe you had not seen this. Mm -hmm. And it's been out 13 years now. What did you? What happened? What happened? No. (laughs) Why did did I miss it for 13 years? I know this is a movie that like ever since like I remember the name popping up. I remember people talking about it. It lived, I think, on Netflix for like a long time. Uh, That's probably how a lot of people saw it, I believe. And everyone... Uh, I knew was just like, it's so good. How have you not seen I Saw the Devil? This is the kind of movie you would love specifically, like people who know me. Um, so I don't know. It was just one that just I always meant to watch it. I think the runtime 
daunted me. Sure. So often you're like, when do I have time to sit down and watch this two and a half hour movie? Um, but I will say that this movie is two and a half hours long, but it does not feel like it. It feels real tight for being two and a half hours. So uh, kudos to them on that. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed this. This definitely is in my wheelhouse. This is something that I was totally riveted by. I could see that. Yeah, I think I said it in the first part. I really wanted to get my husband to watch it with me because for some reason in my head, I have from the first time I watched it, which was probably close to when it came out, probably mm-hmm. early, the early aughts, teens, the early teens, um, when this came out, I just remember thinking he would like it. And I don't know why I thought that because I did have him watch it with me. And I could just, again, body language, right? With my husband, I can always tell when he's not like totally into something. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was pretty sure he wasn't into it, but I gave him an out before we started. I was like, 30 minutes in, if you don't want to watch anymore, I'll finish it on my own. 30 minutes came and he was like, no, we can keep going. So we kept going. And then there was another reason we paused to feed the cats or get ice cream or whatever. And, and I was like, you don't have to keep going if you don't want to. And he's like, no, no, keep going, keep going. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, he's like, keep going. And then we get to one of the particular scenes. Cause there's, I'll just say this. There's a lot of brutalization towards women in this movie, towards everyone, but Mm -hmm. like, towards women who don't deserve it because <laughs> yeah. usually the men who are getting in this movie kind of deserve it not yeah. always but but there was just a scene and he was like nope i'm done i'm out and i was like i literally have given you so many outs but like i can get it because it did that did strike me harder this time not that you're supposed to like those scenes mm-hmm. but it was it was harder for me to watch this time for sure Oh yeah. Yeah. This, there was a, there is a level of gritty, you know, brutal realism, uh, in the, uh, the approach they took. So, um, yeah, it's, it's grimy. It's very grimy. It's very true to, I mean, real life, uh, in a sense, because the dude is an unrepentant, uh, the main character in question. Can we talk? Is that too spoilerly for me to, start this early what do you mean on, on dissecting the characters here but no um i think it's you laid know, out pretty early yeah sure the main guy you know or the the main killer guy uh is a you know unrepentant serial killer uh abuser of women obviously so uh i feel like narratively in the story for him to continue that behavior the way he does like only makes sense because that's who he is and that's how he's always going to act when he's given the opportunity to you know enact what he wants to do which is uh commit these acts of heinous violence uh uh so what i'm looking for compulsively because he Mm -hmm. did feel like a very real like they learned from real serial killer you know behavior to construct this character it felt like it leaned into that quite a bit and there's a little bit of dark humor in there too, quite often, which is yeah. appreciated compared to some of these other movies that may have, because it almost has a torture porn sort of feel to it. Like it's yeah, like it, there's scenes from movies that would be torture porn. It gets very close. Yes, but it's in a revenge cat and mouse sort of film. So it it feels different, but also <laughs> very mm-hmm. similar. Yeah, so 
here's here's my tight elevator pitch of this movie, uh, if you will, like you like to do. This would be this movie is Henry portrait of a serial killer. If Henry had James Bond after him the entire time, <laughs> that's what this movie is. Yeah. Uh, OK, so early on, someone gets killed and which is. I believe the best scene in the movie. I think it's so good. Um, I think it's good. Yeah. It's the scariest and most yeah. like I th- uh, after that, it doesn't feel scary anymore. It gets kind of no. gross and it gets a little hard to watch and, yeah, but it's not truly scary. Yeah. It's really that, that first scene that is like very effective. And I always think of this movie as having snow because of that scene, which it does have snow, but that's like it. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> then it like is, is not um, seemingly not winter any longer. But so someone dies and then there is someone close to that person who goes about trying to find this person's killer. And, and it's sort of what is, and I mean, this is very early on in the film, so I'm just going to say it, but he has a chance to kill this guy and he does not, he lets him go. albeit putting like a tracker in him, like in his digestive system, which seems confusing, but so he can track him and continually find him and torture him. So of course, you know, one of the first things my husband says is why didn't he just kill him? And of course, I think it is because he wants to continue to make him feel pain and, you know, torture him like he probably did his loved one. Right. Yeah, to, and so many other people. Yeah. That's my understanding is he's making him feel like his victims. Uh, this is, this is what it's like. But uh, it's, and a, it's a silly notion though, because like he is. continues to hurt people all along the way when this guy could have just taken care of it. Like I just, that that's so annoying to me. <laughs> and I think, well, cause the, the final scene of the movie speaks to like, I think you're also watching the descent of, you know, our quote unquote hero mm-hmm. uh, into a sadistic level where how different is he starting to be really be from his, uh, his target anymore. Yeah. I also read an analogy of like Batman and Robin that it's sort of not Batman and Robin, Batman and the Joker, like mm-hmm. that sort of, uh, you know, back and forth sort of thing. But it's like cat and mouse when like then the cat turns the tables again, like it goes back and forth so much. Yeah. And, and it is it is interesting to see, too. It's the sort of thing it's constructed where you have like who could be a slasher movie villain. Um but this time, you know, he ran afoul of a character that, you know, it's like a John Wick style character, really. Like some because our main guy is part of the intelligence service. He's a spy hunter. Like that's what he does is track down and kill people for a living if he has to. Like that's part of what he does. So uh, to throw that into the narrative is like, wow, what a way to freshen up this sort of uh, style of story to have this the hyper competent uh victim you know you know he's partially a victim himself of course but he has the means to you know get that revenge he has the skills and he can do it so and the other scene that's really good that i think stands out is the scene in the taxi cab is like so effective yeah oh my god so good and it's just staged so well and so many of these korean horror films have just like i love that little bit of humor like i remember that in the host which i haven't seen since it came out another one i want to watch with my husband but now i'm like questioning everything i've ever watched that i'm like oh someday you should make him watch that um and trying to busan also has like some great humor in it Mm -hmm. there's just like some really good ones 
that yeah. are so effective. I spent forever too, like looking at the, the main, the serial killer. Uh, what is it? Uh, Kung, Kung Chu. Uh, I'm not sh- sorry, everybody. I'm probably going to butcher these names. Um, but our, our main villain, um, I kept looking at him. I'm like, he looks so familiar. Who is he? And then I quickly looked it up. I'm like, oh, old boy. He's the mm-hmm. lead in uh, he's Odaisu in old boy. And I love that movie, but I haven't seen that in a long time. But he is like, yeah, he's the he's just got something about him. He can do this dark. <laughs> gritty sort of story so well so mm-hmm. authentically feeling that it just he's he's great and it's been forever since i've seen old boy as well and correct me if i'm wrong but that also is a revenge film it is also a revenge story okay and i wonder how that would ho- hold up after in my memory because i remember liking but i remember it being brutal i remember the opening scene is like someone spooging and the spooge like spells out the title that's, that's like, Ichi the Killer. Oh my God, that's Ichi the Killer. Sorry. Yes, which is also brutal. So, <laughs> and is it also a revenge film? Yes. Okay, a hundred percent. Yep. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yep. I remember Ichi better than I remember Old Boy. All I remember about Old Boy is the very end. <laughs> which, yes, you know. which everyone you can never forget. Once yeah, you, you just can't. You never do. But yeah, Old Boy. I remember really loving that movie uh, when I saw it, but that was probably like 10 years ago and I don't think I've seen it since. So definitely should revisit. Yeah. And I I know you said it doesn't feel long. I I just, I think it goes on too long. I feel like they could have cut out a whole bunch in here and it would have been better for less, Mm -hmm. but it does keep moving. There aren't like boring scenes. No, it's very kinetic. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I, I guess I could have done with less of the female brutality, but I know that that also is speaking to like who he is and all that. Like um, there's also a very long scene with him and a couple of other killers, Mm -hmm. which is interesting, but I I could have been fine without it. Yeah. Uh, It's definitely very gross. Um, But one of my favorite bits from that, long scene is after like the after effects when he visits one of the characters and the character like gives him some information and then just starts like laughing and it's just like so gross like but i loved it yeah it's so just savage that that part yeah there oh man there's just so many unexpected and strange moments in there too there are and i'm glad my husband dropped off when he did because there's a a scene that revolves heavily around poo and he hates he hates the brown word, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it was that's so gross. So, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I watched this. I actually watched this with my brother. Okay, uh, we watched this together, and that scene totally revolted him that you're talking about. But I, I don't know. I'm like, is that really any grosser than anything else we've seen? Though it's just yeah, that. But that I guess it just speaks to who you are <laughs> as a person when you see that sort of thing, how you react. I wondered like a little later into the film when I was watching it, I was like, well, is it sort of uh, like allegory of dealing with grief? Like is the killer really just a metaphor for whatever would kill one of your loved ones like cancer or whatever. And how you just like, the more you battle with it and you don't just accept it or the more, you know, you, you fight against it. Like you're, you can't, you just ultimately have to sort of accept what happened otherwise it's going to just tear you and everyone around you apart but i think Mm -hmm. that's a little too deep (laughs) 
before. Yeah, I think the movie be. is just like straight up, you know? And I, I, yeah, straight up or again, because the, the way it wraps up, that that's kind of where I'm like, okay, there's there's the point they're trying to make, which is the idea of, you know, revenge. Uh, revenge is never simple and it destroys every, you, you'll destroy your soul uh, seeking revenge. So that's uh, kind of where I think it's going uh, with the, the destructive nature of their cat and mouse game with each other. I also feel a little bit toward like leading into the end feels a little mm, like overly complex. Like there's a scene where someone's standing in the middle of the road and someone like drives by tears the door of their car off and pulls that person in. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> like sure. That might be a little cool, but I'm also like, uh, huh. like it just, I feel like some of the details are just like a little like, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's but, where as, yeah. as this movie goes, it starts to veer more into action movie territory for a long time and away from horror for sure but then it kind of comes back around to a finale that it feels like it's from a saw movie so for sure so like if you love killer movies if you love some violence some gore like this is i don't know about gore so much as just violence Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of gore but it's just very violent and brutal but like this is a movie for you and if if that runtime doesn't scare you but like it, it is never boring for mm-hmm. sure. Like it moves Absolutely. right along. Absolutely. But it's long. It is long. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to now, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. I okay. do want to talk about that ending for sure, which of okay. course is. So you get to the point where, because my brother was like, oh my God, like that's really so dark for him to then involve the guy's estranged family uh, and to inflict that trauma on them just because even though they had nothing to do with this guy's life or actions or what he did that's where i think it's like the idea of this revenge has consumed him and now he's very similar to this man he wants to kill because he's just his ultimate end goal is like now i'm gonna kill you in front of your family and make them feel the pain that i felt when you took my loved one away just to do it as like a final fuck you that you're gonna be dead and gone but now your family has to deal with this horrific thing i'm doing in front of them uh, and I don't care <laughs> about that. So, yeah. So let me ask you this, though, because it seemed like his father-in-law, right? The mm-hmm. police chief is his father-in-law. Yeah. The dad of the woman who got killed. Yeah. Who was his wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it seemed like he was alive, although he had his face bashed in. So yes. that wasn't great. And then there's like a split scene where we see his sister-in-law, like wrapped in like a sleeping bag, right? Yeah, she's dead. Yep. Oh, she was dead. It was so yeah. fast. I couldn't tell if like she was also alive, but just no. Yes. He killed her and you know left her body. Okay. In like okay. an alleyway, and it's the police finding it. So it was so fast. Like yeah, I just kept it's real quick. Back, but I was like, but... oh, and she's gone too. Like in all of yeah. this, yeah, you've lost more people now. But it is like the building of the yeah. But but it shows the I think yeah the darkness but with them is another thing where I just I'm like. Ugh. Like the police chief, he's a police chief. And there's someone just out of his, like he knows everything going on. And then mm-hmm. there's this guy who's like, oh, I have a package for you. And he, there's slats in the gate. Like he can't look through and be like, this guy is all bloody. And then that girl, the sister-in-law comes in and sees things knocked over and just keeps, and I'm just like, I just, I don't buy the police chief is that stupid. I just don't. Yeah. 
horror Maybe movie moments, horror movie logic. I know, I know, but like involved in a movie where everyone else is so smart and meticulous. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I am surprised I didn't love it as much as I did initially because I really surprising. remembered it being so so good. Yeah, and I don't know why I just had so many issues with it this time. Not issues, but just things that I didn't like as much. Yeah, Maybe, you know, I've grown as a person. It happens. But I watched it that first time so I could bring it to you today. Yeah, there you go. And I'm glad you did, because I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, <laughs> Well, good. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say? No, I think that's really it. All right. Well, out of five poo trackers. Poo, poo cover trackers, yes. Yep. How many do you give? Oh, wait, hold on. Let's talk about the title. Tell me what, what you think of the title. What do I think of the title? Yeah, I saw, like what does the title mean to you? What does the title mean? Uh, I mean, I think obviously the devil is the killer. Um, in one regard, you could say I saw the devil in that he saw. Uh, I, I, I feel like it has to do with the idea of like, I've, I've seen the face of evil or something like that. I feel like it's a phrase tied into an idea like that, where he's, he's, he's ventured into the heart of darkness. Um, I think is what I would draw from that title. Uh, yeah. And cause I was looking and it looks like I saw the devil is kind of like a weird translation from the Korean of whatever the, and sure. I, I'm wondering if it's actually like a Korean phrase or something, a turn of phrase that means more, makes more sense in the native language. But I would assume it has something to do with like into the heart of darkness or something like that. That's sort of, uh, I saw the devil meaning you've been in the shit you've been in there, uh, with the worst. Yeah, I think it's like, to me, it's very similar to like that ladder of what you said that he sees the devil, like the darkness in himself. Yeah. Because that's what brought him there, this this revenge. Or I would think the phrase to hell and back, like I've been Mm. to hell and back like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like because if you've seen the devil, you're in hell, uh, clearly. So I think that's kind of what it's trying to evoke. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so out of five poo trackers, how many do you give? I saw the devil. I'm going four and a half. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm going three and a half. Oh, well, but still scare of approval. Scare of approval. Yeah. Just a, just one star margin of error between us. So, <laughs> but I, I mean, we've pretty much had the same thing for so very long. Yeah, I like. I want to get some. I want to get some bigger <laughs> differences. Because I still perhaps. think it's a good movie, and I, you know, I still think there's that there's so much about it that's good. The acting and and you know that it's well made. It's yes. just just elements about it. Just and to do, bring with me. I do wonder if it's one of those movies too, where the first time you're just wowed if you go in like with little idea. Because I really didn't know too much about it, other than I'm like, I know it's about a serial killer, and this guy wants revenge on him. That's all I knew. Yeah. Didn't know the fine details, so I feel like. If you go in not expecting it, it could be like, wow, that, you know, my jaw's on the floor. I didn't expect this kind of movie at all. Uh, So I I wonder if my, I wonder if I would have diminishing returns if I would go back and rewatch this regularly. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. Moving on to Winter Beast Uh, with a tag. The tagline is it must be seen to be believed. (laughs) Um, And I say, yes, it (laughs) is. 
I don't think it's the way they meant it, but yes. Uh, and the description is set during the fall, not winter. Somebody must have editorialized <laughs> this. A small New England town is brutally ravaged by possessed totem poles. Oh, well, it's a little more complex than that. I think so. It's also the kind of movie where I'm actually not sure what a lot of the plot is, but you know. Oh my God. So yeah, I mean, okay. I, first of all, don't like that tagline. I don't like the word be and believed together. Yeah. You must see it to believe it is what I would have put it as. I don't like, what is it? It's, it must be seen to be believed. Oh yeah. I don't like, that's gross. That is a horrible, that's like a grammar nightmare, I think. Yeah. You must see it to believe it. That yeah. there we are. Um, so I just it kept it felt like at any moment these characters were gonna take off their clothes and I was gonna have a gay porn on my hands. Yes, <laughs> like so much of the time. I'm like, oh my god, am I did Jeremy give me a gay porn? <laughs> it feels like a porno, yes. <laughs> it does, like the acting and the way it's filmed, the style, because it was a VHS thing, right? Isn't that what you said? Like on a video recorder. So what I know about this movie. And actually, I don't even know if it was shot on video, but it was released direct to video. That's okay. I've like okay. I've tried to track down more info, but like it's scarce out there on this thing. Apparently, this movie lived as like an oddity for a long time, but it's what they call a regional film, uh, which is just like an older phrase for I mean, now we would say indie film, um, but regional movies were, you know, independently made just by people. In this is from Massachusetts, so this was made in Massachusetts. Uh, they probably intended to like show it locally, maybe for drive ins or stuff like that, but it went straight to video because that's what happened to a lot of these regional movies. Uh, and that's it, it just lived on video, was made by some people that were probably real passionate about, like, we're gonna make our own horror movie. Uh, and that's what a lot of these regional movies are, but they, you know, with the advent of home video, uh, all these video distributors were like. Who cares the quality? Let's just buy all these movies people are trying to sell and put them on tape. So that there you have it. And this movie was originally shot in 1986. Some of the footage they mm. took a break, shot some of it in 1989, which is literally why like the dude's mustache changes in some scenes and like Got people it. just look different from scene to scene. Uh, and then wasn't released till 92 on video. So because that's I kept thinking it feels like an 80s movie but i saw it was 1992 and i just looked up the old vhs cover and it actually like rings a bell i feel like i have seen that somewhere and it says the evil dead meets northern exposure (laughs) (laughs) my my description of this is evil dead meets twin peaks Ah. uh but by way of ed wood for sure like because everything is so stilted and strange oh my god it is so bizarre and like there's all this stop motion yeah, which is like is that what you call it. It is shockingly good. The sh- stop motion itself, because these are like cool monsters, but they just come out of nowhere. Like this movie has no context for anything. Uh, so like my favorite part is the number of reaction shots of somebody going <gasps> scared of something, but then it doesn't cut to whatever it was. It just goes 100%. to a different scene and you're like, what's yeah. happening? Yeah, it's so bizarre in that way. And then like the way they can't, really combine the stop motion and the live action so they'll like throw in like a ken dollar what the fuck ever gi yeah, like joe the one into, scene like, with the, the scene. giant tree thing and then it's clearly just holding like a a doll of the woman yeah like smashes it around or there's the scene where the giant dinosaur thing 
eats the guy. But for that split second, it's very clearly like a photograph of the guy, like a piece <laughs> of paper that gets eaten. So, yeah. So, yeah, they're all in this like wintry town and people start disappearing. So they start like looking into it. And there's yeah, the, like the Indian park rangers ground or something. Yeah. There's a and curse or something. It's yeah, it's, it's very confusing. It's vague as to what the winter beast is. In the credits, there is a guy credited as the winter beast, which I just think is that devil that walks in slow motion at the end. <laughs> yeah, so there's a devil that walks in slow motion. There's a zombie. Yep. And yep. then there's like this weird monster that's stop motion. That's like, I don't know how you would describe what it is. Yeah, there's also a scene where a guy for no reason walks over to like the petting zoo and one of the turkeys is now like a monster turkey. Right. For like yes. a quick, you know, like there's all these random scenes of different stop motion creatures doing stuff, but there's little context as to what they are. I think they're supposed, I think it's supposed to be like the area's cursed and there's just tons of monsters uh, or something mm -hmm. like that is what's going on. Cause somebody says something about like, you can't stop the demons that are coming through. And I'm like, is yeah. that what all of these were supposed to be? I don't yeah, know. I think that they describe it as the Indian gateway to hell. Okay. At one point. So 100%. I never really put that together. That it's just all these different crazy things coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like a totem pole that comes to life also, which yep. you mentioned in the, in the description. And then there's like an evil lodge owner who looks like the colonel from KFC. Yeah. Like his it, outfit. With his weird plaid jacket. And then he... Yeah. He just dances around he with the dead bodies. Mask. And I found that song. He, he dances to the song called What Can the Matter Be? It's by this artist called the Peter Pan Pixie Players. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it on iTunes. On, oh, awesome. On Apple Music. So now I have that creepy song to just um, freak people out at some point. Because yeah, it use, is wild. Use that in something. But yeah, no, this thing, yeah. It, it's really those scenes where they're just standing around outside of the lodge and you can see the pine trees around them that you're like, okay, this feels like they've stepped into Twin Peaks for a minute. Um, like, I don't know, this whole thing operates on like a sort of dream logic. Like it feels uh, a phrase that popped into my head was accidentally Lynchian. Like it's David Lynch like, but not on purpose. Like, I think it's just through their own. They were trying to make a good movie but just couldn't quite nail it. But it's done with enough earnestness that, you know, it's not outright bad. It's just strange. Like nothing, nothing works exactly right. Yep. It definitely is very strange. And then there's like times where, and I don't know what the proper film terminology is but like when two people are talking to each other like on a street and it cuts to this person then to that person and this mm -hmm. person and that person like if you know the movie business you know they're probably not actually there doing those scenes at the same time but it's cut together so well that like you don't think yeah. about it it's just you just take it for what it looks like and here there's so many scenes where they're obviously not in the same room like the the whatever you call like the background noise the hum of the room is different the yep. lighting is different like there's just two people talking at the camera and then they splice it together yeah there's one scene where yeah it's it's uh it's a, the main guy is talking to the the one woman character who kind of like most of them. I'm not sure who anybody was and what the relationship <laughs> okay, was. I'm so was glad that I wasn't alone there. Each other. Like it's so like quick or vague. But anyway, the one woman character that's in the movie 
sort of for part of it. Uh, they're talking and it is doing what you're talking about. They're cutting back and forth. But then it goes back to the establishing shot of both of them together. And it's a different background than where they were just standing. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's utterly bizarre. Um, but there are moments like there's the one scene where it's three characters lined up together, like their profiles all looking at the same thing. And you're like, oh, that's a real slick like shot like that that looks like it's something out of a film noir or something very stylized mm-hmm. where you're like okay i can see that they had an eye for trying to do something it's just like the finer details escaped them of how to you know of continuity like escaped them so there are moments where you can see the there's a little bit of filmmaking know-how it's just in the editing and continuity and trying to turn this into a cohesive movie that that's where the whole just dreamlike quality of this thing comes from and after everything wraps up, they say, next time we hunt for bears. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the fact, like, it ends on that kind of cheesy sitcom joke of, like, next time I'm driving. Like, that sort of, like, <laughs> totally. like we just got out of that goofy fighting demons adventure. Next yep. time, let's not go to the lodge. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The lodge, though, when they first go there and it's like a supper club. I'm just like, mm-hmm. how did they rope these people into doing this movie? All these yep. old people. These poor. And, like, everyone in this thing, like, the filmmaker himself, the writer-director, all of the actors. Like, this is all, this is, they're all clearly non-entertainment type people because this is their only movie. Like, for all of them, it's their only credit is this thing. So. Oh, my God. It is. It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. And charming in that way that you know it was someone's like dream project Mm -hmm. like it wasn't made to be so hokey i don't think it feels you know authentic in its cheesiness yeah this was a passion project for all these people that made this thing or else clearly they wouldn't have finished it like i mean they spent half a decade filming it so uh clearly they wanted to get it out there but it is on Shutter. It is well worth the watch if you're into this sort of thing. And if mm-hmm. you're not, stay far, far away. Absolutely. This is the so I heard about this because Vinegar Syndrome, uh the uh I've heard, yeah. The boutique Blu-ray Blu-ray label and film distributor, they did a restoration of this thing. Like that's the version that's on Shutter as they it's they, it looks great. They saved it and cleaned it up and reconstructed its uh, I guess it had been out there in versions that were not like the original cut. Uh, So this is like a reconstruction of, you know, the intended, uh, the full movie, Uh, which is, which is only 76 minutes long, but this one feels like seven hours long by the time (laughs) you get through all of it. And again, it's because there is no through line. You're struggling to figure out what the story is because there's so many scenes with no context. But again, um the first i saw it because vinegar syndrome was like talking about it and i was like oh it's on shutter i watched this i think last year uh sometime and i put it on and my floor or my jaw i could not get it off the floor at what i was seeing and i was thinking like how does this not have a cult following like troll 2 like plan 9 from outer space because this feels very much like it it would fit into that so bad it's good territory that like it's not just like it it is worth watching. If you're into that sort of thing, it is worth watching because so often people will tell me something is so bad, it's good. And then I watch it and it's just bad. Like, you know, that no, this is just a bad movie. There's It's got to have that certain something. This movie has that spark. Yeah, watch it with Night of the Demon. 
Is that oh, what it was? Yeah, Night of the Demon. Yeah, Night of the Demon. There yeah. you go. That's another regional movie is what they would call it. That's a regional horror movie. Yeah. Night of the Demon. So yeah, that would be a good pairing. Night of the Demon, though, at least the plot like is coherent, makes sense. Whereas this is a little more like, I think I understand what was happening. but Which could make it better or worse, you know? Yeah, exactly. Depending <laughs> on who you are. Who you are. <laughs> Depends on what you're into. But like, yep. I could see like, this is a perfect... Um, have some friends crack some jokes about this thing maybe alter your consciousness a little bit if that's your sort of thing but like this is a perfect like midnight fun time movie for sure and thank god for shutter for bringing it to us all yeah i do love that shutter's got like, it's gotten so good it's so good it's it's got the big movies and then it's got all these oddities like this thing living on there that uh, i'm always shocked when i watch one and i'm like how is this not a big cult hit for people yeah. to be talking about? So totally. Yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah. And, and that's all I know about this movie too. It's really hard to find like for real information on it anywhere. I guess it's that obscure, or at least the people that made it are that, you know, unknown still or not, not as visible to the community. So we'll never know. That's right. Well, but, I'm glad you gave it to me. Yeah. Out of, uh, out of out of five random stop motion monsters that just come out of nowhere, how many do you give it? I'm gonna give it three, just because. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not great, but I still think mm-hmm. it's worth checking out. What I'm do also you give giving, it? I'm also giving it a three. I'm actually okay. The first time I watched it, I was a little more like, "This is amazing," but rewatching it this time, I'm like, "Okay, I don't think this is super rewatchable, but it is a fun experience." Um, and I think it's worth checking out just to see. This it, it like sort of reminded me of, uh, you know, uh, like American movie having just rewatched that. Like, this is the kind of thing Mark Borchardt was making, you know, in yes. uh, in that movie. So it's like, I don't know, just makes me excited that uh, people out there outside of the Hollywood system can make their own movie if they want to. Fuck yeah. Uh, I just think that's great. So we still have another scare of approval. Scare of approval. Hell yes. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and um, write to us, scaringandsharing at gmail.com or f- slide into our Insta. Okay. Scaring and sharing. All one word. Shove them together. Yeah. Get at us. Uh, there's so much going on horror wise this year. Like, I'm, my head is spinning. I can't keep up with all the news, with all the movies that are coming out. It's just wild. So, I know. And next week is my birthday episode, and we're just going to watch one movie. But my birthday's on the 16th, so cool, cool, you know, cool. our next episode will come out after that. So, you know, send me some love, just even in your head, um, next Thursday, please. Yeah, that yeah. would be very sweet of y'all. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm your friend to the end. Heidi Ho. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, no, I don't even... It's coming! It's in the trees! (laughs) All right, uh, and keep watching and talking about scary movies, because... Scaring is sharing! Bye! Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.